Hey, hi, and hello, friends. I'm Matt Drewett-Card, president of Maine ASCD. Welcome to Maine ASCD, the podcast. Thank you so very much for listening. Uh, for those of you who, um, if you haven't done so already, please go ahead and subscribe to us. Um, we're just starting this podcast out. This is our fourth episode. Um, and I want to thank you again for listening. And so we're just kind of trying to figure out what this is. And so, so far we've done a few episodes on spotlighting our membership and we're going to continue doing that, but we're also going to start, um, having some podcasts that are going to be centered around the tenets of the whole child. Uh, and that's what this episode is going to be starting with. So we're going to be uh, talking with, um, someone about one of the whole tenets of the, of, of whole child education. Um, if you're interested in whole child education, for those of you who aren't uh, in the know, there are five major tenets uh, for whole child education according to the ASCD framework. And those are that students should be challenged, engaged, supported, healthy, and safe. And so we're gonna start talking to educators across Maine um, about how they are implementing these tenets in different ways and how they are supporting our learners. And so that's what we're starting today. So this is the first of those episodes. So please excuse us as we stumble through this. Um, if you want to come and talk to us or see us, we're gonna be out and about. We've been at a couple places. We were at Actum in October. Um, we were at the MEA conference up in uh, Herman or Bangor, around that area, um, doing some things. And so a lot of we've been a lot of places. We're going to be at the Educate Maine Symposium on December the 6th in Portland. We're part of the Innovation Hall. So come check us out, uh, come talk to us because we have a lot of great things happening in our organization right now. But one of the main things to help all teachers to become better, having better understanding of the whole child framework is we've developed um, whole child uh, teacher micro credentials. So we've developed an entire platform for teachers to become whole child certified. Um, and we'll provide the micro-credentials, we'll provide certification, we'll provide contact hours. This is a great way of individually on your own time getting not only your certification hours, but really focusing on how are we instructing and developing environments and really moving our classes, our instruction, our teaching, and our educational systems to be focused on the whole child. You know, all too often we hear about things like test scores and academics and academics and acad well there's so much more um, as we all know probably by now you can't get to the cognitive stuff to the bloom stuff before you do, unless you do the maslow stuff first unless you take care of the social emotional learning so schools have to be and classrooms have to be healthy and safe and supportive while also being challenging and engaging so if you're interested uh go to mainascd.org that's our website or tweet us um at Maine ASCD. I'll do the social uh, plugs at the end of the episode too. Follow our information, but follow us online. Um, contact me uh, directly, Matt Drewett Card, which is at Drewett Card on Twitter, um, and we'll get you connected to the micro credentials. The first couple are free, and then they are really expensive, or I'm sorry, they're not expensive. They are really inexpensive ways of getting a significant amount of professional learning hours that are focused on everything that we want to do to improve our educational systems. So thank you very much. And with that, I will begin the episode properly. Thanks again for listening.
Well, you know, sometimes in life you get unlucky and sometimes in life you get lucky. Well, right now I'm feeling like I'm one of the luckiest people in Maine because I get to talk to an amazing educator, a 2014 Oxford County Teacher of the Year and someone who I actually like to call a friend, Jeff Bailey. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. Wow, thanks, Matt. That's quite an introduction. I hope I can uh, live up to the hype. I'll, I'll try my best. <laughs> I'm just realizing right now that I'm probably going to have to do that for every other person that I interview. <laughs> uh, I'm uh, sure they are all equally uh, amazing and more so. It just goes up from here, I think. So. <laughs> well, I don't, know. I don't know how it can go up from here. I can see it maybe being at the same level. Okay, um, all right. We'll go with that. You, can, you know, it's like the thing you, you, you can't do any better. That whole thing. Can't do any better than you. I do almost as well or as well, but no better. So, um, so Jeff, tell our, our, our two listeners sure. um, who you are, what you do, where you are, etc. Yep. Uh, so as Matt said, I'm Jeff Bailey. I've been uh, teaching at Mountain Valley High School since I started teaching in 1998. I spent eight years teaching uh, high school English. Um, there's a whole story there, but I won't get into it, but, uh, 10 years in high school English and then, uh, went for my master's degree in education and instructional technology at Orono while I was teaching English. Um, my original thinking was to become a technology integrator in our district, but that was a position that we didn't ever get around to creating. Um, but, uh, at one point, uh, when we were trying to shuffle staff around because we had a decrease in population in our school, student population. Um, we, uh, the opportunity opened up for me to do uh, what had been an industrial arts job um, in CAD design, computer-aided design, um, which I didn't know what it was at the time, but, um, and my principal loves, uh, loves to hear me say this, but uh, my principal figures if it plugs in, I probably could do it. Uh, so he, <laughs> he looked at the technology part of my education degree and uh, said, how would you like to give this a whirl? So um, I jumped in and uh, learned a lot by getting into an area that I didn't know much about. And uh, probably the biggest learning for me in that experience was to um, allow yourself to be vulnerable and to learn along with kids um, was a really kind of uh, aha moment for me because you know when you teach uh, Romeo and Juliet to freshmen year after year after year you know what this scene is about you know what the lines are sure. and so so the, your your ability to have an inquiry based mind about it is kind of dissolved into your own thoughts um, and so it can be kind of hard to get into the learner's mindset um, at that point. Um, and so getting into something that I truly was not at all an expert in um, and, and working with the kids to kind of work our way through and admitting when I didn't know something um, was a huge uh, moment for me to kind of hand, hand learning in their direction and things. So That must have been terrifying. Uh, yeah, I, I'll tell you a quick story. There was a, yeah. uh, I, I learned most of it over the summer, or I won't say most of it. I learned half of the, the textbook that we were using over the summer along with the program. Um, I figured I could sketch out that uh, there were like, uh, I don't know how many drawings in this CAD design book, but I figured I, I'd gotten to drawing 20 and I figured drawing 20 would buy me enough time to uh, get to Christmas vacation. So I figured okay. I was in decent shape, you know, uh, I called up a few weeks before school started talked to the guy who had retired from the position and said, Hey, Phil, how, how, uh, how did you actually grade these assignments? Um, and Phil said, well, I didn't grade any of the drawings because anybody can push those buttons in that order on the page and get the drawing. I only <laughs> graded, 
I only graded the extra credit, um, which are the things, of course, I had skipped because I figured I didn't have time to learn that to get ready for oh, the kids. Man. So um, I, I, I went back and did extra credit and got to uh, up to about drawing 20. And I'll, I'll never forget the day and probably around October, mid-October, where I had a student come up to me. Uh, they, were, they were working out of the book and I had two classes happening at the same time in the period and kids kind of worked at their own pace. But um, had a kid come up and said, I had have a trouble, uh, having trouble with this drawing. And I said, well, which one do you want? And he said, 22. And inside of my body, I went, what, 22? Oh, my God, 22. No, no, no. I'm on 20. You can't be on 22, which meant, by the way, he had done 21, no problem, without my help and with no guidance from me. So uh, I panicked on the inside, but on the outside, I did the calm teacher thing and said, well, uh, you must have missed the step. Why don't you go back and look through the directions again? Ah. Um, tried one of those things. Like, well, you must have done, uh, you know, I, I think Jedi I mind trick going a little Jedi mind trick, but, um, and, and miraculously somehow he got through it without me, uh, looking at it. Um, but what I found instead of being kind of like keeping hidden to myself that I hadn't done, uh, that drawing and not telling the kids, um, I started saying, uh, yeah, I haven't done that one yet. What do you think? And and putting the student in the driver's seat. And uh, it, it actually ended up being a, a badge of honor for them because they would write reflective writings with the drawings. And I would have kids write, I've done drawing number 23 and I did this and this and I had to figure it out on my own because Mr. Bailey hasn't even done it himself yet. And so oh, that's fantastic. kind of takes take a you know feather in their cap for that. <clears throat> and they would... Uh, I would then start to like give them titles around the room. So I'd say, well, I don't, I don't know how to help you with that, but professor so-and-so over there, uh, <laughs> he's done it. Go to him. And then everybody wanted a title. So um, it got more buy-in than I'd seen certainly in an English class, um, the way I had been running my English class anyway. So, so that was like a key, a key thing for me to try to figure out how to work in, uh, in the future. So you know, um, it sounds it sounds a lot like I I don't know I quote this a lot uh, Dr. Randy Pausch's speech on really achieving your childhood dreams also known as the last lecture I don't know if you've seen mm -hmm. that um, but he's a computer science teacher uh, down at Carnegie Mellon and when he was first doing his first year uh, the, he, he he set this whole thing up and he set these these, these these expectations and projects to do and they blew him away. Like they, they, everyone far surpeded the expectations, the escalations. And he goes to his mentor and says, you know, what do I do? And he says, your problem is you set a bar. You set the bar. Right. Go in and don't set a bar. Right. Sure. Because if you don't set a bar there, they're just going to keep going. They're right. just going to keep going and going. And that's kind of what it sounds like the environment that you set up. And how have you, do you, is that kind of thing still continuing? Are you still doing that kind of a mindset? How do you see that as like engaging? Yeah. Um, I try, what I've been trying to do since is um, I still teach some CAD classes, architectural design, pre-engineering. Um, and, and I do have two levels of the engineering, pre-engineering class. So what I sometimes say to kids is you still work at your own pace. I of course have to have some due dates where I put grades in the book for assignments. And, and, um, but what I say is that if you're, if you're ahead of pace, um, there's nothing wrong with, in my book, uh, if you, actually finish all of the work for the class before the semester's done because um, mine is a semester-based course uh, you you can go on and work on the next semester during the semester um, as long as the work is of good quality and meets the standards um, and they're kind of puzzled by that uh, and I always <laughs> say well it, it, why 
why would I stop you? You know, I, I can either say, oh no, wait for everyone to catch up to where you are and, you know, twiddle your thumbs. Sure. Um, or I can like give you the opportunity to go forward. So, so I've done some things like that where it kind of provides them a little bit more uh, setting their own goals for that stuff, uh, which is nice. And then um, for, for what I do with designs in that class anyway, is um, if you do the design that I set out with the right measurements and whatever, then that would generally be a three for the design grade. But using the tools to create something of your own beyond that would be closer to a four. We're on a zero to four um, okay. grading. Do you, find um, that, do you find that that kind of style, that, that approach is more difficult or easier for you as the, as the teacher? Um, so when I took over the classes from the other instructor, um, he had a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, like probably 20 different classes that he offered. Um, and I just couldn't do that, but I still wanted to be flexible enough. We have a pretty small school. Um, so at the time it was probably about 450, 500 kids. Um, and now we're down to about 400. Um, and I wanted to be flexible in offering electives for kids that, so it met their schedule. So if you had already taken pre-engineering, but you wanted to take architectural design, I didn't think it was fair to just say, well, that's period three, sorry. Uh, if you can't make it period three, then you're stuck. So, um, so what I did was um, I offered, uh, ended up being four, well, I was teaching video also. So ended up offering at some point five different classes in a period. Um, and the only way to manage that is to not be the person at the front of the room that gives uh, direct instruction because you now I have five see, yeah. different groups. Yeah. Um, so it was at that point, I think at that time I was using iTunes U uh, to make oh, that happen, neat. Um, which was a great tool at the time. Um, and I've since just moved to Google Classroom and, and use, putting videos on YouTube, tutorial videos. So as far as uh, I think your question was about how difficult is it to, to sort of differentiate and personalize yeah. in that way. Um, what I found was the first year I did it because I had to create all the video content, which I did mostly over the summer. Um, it was difficult because I had to figure out what the projects were going to be. I had to um, make sure they worked, had to do them to myself. Then I had to record the video sometimes multiple times to get it right. Um, sure. And then I had to send it out to kids. Um, but once I had all of those, I, I don't want to say that I'm on autopilot because I'm not. But I'll tell you what, the first time that I, I started doing it that way, where I said, okay, um, you'll need headphones because I don't want to hear my voice all around the classroom, plus your neighbors are in a different class, so they'll, they don't yeah. want to hear the instructions for a different project. Um, it, it, it was weird. Like the first, the first day that I did it, I panicked a little because I said, oh my gosh, they're all like plugged in and listening to the video and watching and, and creating the thing, and I'm standing here. And did I just like automate myself? You know, robots are now going to take my position and, you know, someone's going <laughs> to walk in and say, these kids are just listening to music or whatever it would look like. So I, I got a little worried. But what I found was because I wasn't at the front of the room directly instructing, um, when a question came up, I was available. And not like when I'm done doing this instructional part, I can get to your question, but it was on demand. Um, so also, you're, so I, you're able to, in the moment, when, they, when it's needed to, you're really able to go and work closely with your learners yeah. uh, to monitor, to kind of help them direct their own progress even. Right, which is something we always say we want in the classroom yeah. is like more time. Um, and I know that that time came from me creating that content outside of school and not everybody's sure. willing to do that. 
But um, since then, the tools to do those types of things, you know, uh, I was fortunate enough to get a swivel unit for my classroom, oh, well, nice. for the school. Um, and it's essentially, it's an iPad that you wear uh, a microphone slash motion tracker thing around your neck and it can record uh, you teaching. So uh, if you're gonna teach something period one as a high school teacher and you're gonna teach the same thing period three, you could easily record that with that device or, or really anything. Um, and make it available. So it also was great because the videos allowed kids to go back and rewind or sometimes skip ahead uh, if I was taking too long to explain something. Yep. Uh, kids introduced me to the double speed uh, uh, playback on YouTube, <laughs> uh, which I didn't realize was a thing, uh, but they're like, you just take too long, Mr. Bailey, to explain this. I already know what you're doing. Can you just get to the point? So I have friends who listen to, uh, only listen to podcasts on two speed and some are like four. <laughs> Like I, I know a guy who listens to like um, English soccer, like Manchester United, Chelsea football club, like that kind of stuff on like four times. I'm like, well, so not only are you dealing with like, extra speed, but I'm dealing with like the English oh, the and, accent. And if they're, you know, and I'm Scottish, but it's like, if it's a Scottish accent, oh my gosh, how are you going to pay attention to this? Sure. It's, really, it's really hard. I haven't been able to get there yet. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I've, I've tried, but. No, yeah. But that's the, but that but what what that really I think highlights for 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 me and for part of what this whole conversation is about, which is about how do we as educators, how do, can an, an an individual educator, for example, in an area like technology or computer science or CAD design or even English language arts, create an environment where our students are coming in and they're going to they're going to be challenged, they're going to be engaged. We figure out ways to engage them. We figure out ways to make sure that they're supported along the way. Um, and then there's the other two, which are healthy and safe as well. And it sounds, right. it sounds in a lot of ways, especially for this part of this conversation, the engaged, supported, and challenged tenants, you've really done a, a, a masterful job of creating in your, in your classrooms. Well, thanks. I mean, it's, a, it's basically a flipped classroom dynamic without um, the sort of homework aspect of it. I, I don't incorporate that piece. Um, that's typical in flipped environments yep. but um but but it also helps you to like get get a chance to like sit down with kids and find out what they like so after we do some basic design stuff i, I try to do more open-ended projects um uh, where they have to design something for someone uh that brings them some joy or happiness like an empathy project i call it um and then they design it and 3d print it uh, for the person, uh, oh, something nice. more out of the box, less less follow directions, and and more in that on the line of that. So, so do you um, find that this that this way of doing things, this this personalized learning mindset, flipped classroom, as you as you mentioned it, do you find that that has um, you've had to either lessen expectations for your kids, maintain what they are, or have you been able to continue to maintain this level of really high rigor challenge? Um, for all of learners, whatever they're coming in with, whether social emotional, whether it's low socioeconomic status, 504, IEP, English learners, whatever other kind of identifier we put on them. Sure. How do you feel like that? that, that so go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, I was just going to say that I, I think personalizing it, um, differentiating it has, uh, it's funny, I, I try to take my, here's an example. I do think that it has raised the bar. Um, if, if there's a bar to be set. Uh, but <laughs> All but I, th yeah, um, I think what it does is the kids who need the um, support 
in order to be successful, I'm able to, to be there to support them. So I do sometimes have kids say, I, I don't want to watch the video. Can you just sit and, and teach me? Which is always something I smile at because I'm like, so in their mind, teaching is direct instruction. And, and that that's what they're used to. And if that's what's going to help them be successful, then if I'm able to do that, I will. Um, and uh, then there are other kids that are like, just get out of my way because I know uh, I've even had kids say, I don't want to watch your video. I want to see the end product. And will you give me a grade if I can get to that end product on my own? Oh, wow. And that's fairly rare, but it's happened and it's been surprising and good because kids take that challenge and they go with it. So here's this 3D object. Here are the dimensions. Here are the features of it. How are you going to get there? And then they tinker and then they try to just yeah. figure out ways of getting it. They kind of know the general concepts and then they... They figure out ways to get there. Um, yeah. That's fantastic. So I, 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 I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I did oh, no, want okay. to ask you about your computer science work. Yes. Yeah. And because, you know, people who listen to me and other podcasts or other talk to me in other places know that I'm, this is an area I'm very passionate about. Yes. Um, and because, and it's not because I'm good at it. I can't code for anything. <laughs> um, I've tried and I, I mean, I could get better at it, but I've just, I, I'm not sure. very good at it. But I'm not passionate about it because I'm good at it. I'm passionate about it because, you know, 75 to 80% of the emerging markets in Maine are going to be either STEM or computer science related come 2026. Sure. That's our kids in school right now. Absolutely. So we yeah. need to be building a foundation. We need to have policy and legislative support. We need to have funding support for doing this. Mm -hmm. But you're doing something with it right now that I just think is wicked cool. Talk about it. <laughs> sure. Please. Um, so about three or four years ago, I, I got into computer science more formally because um, my, my administrator suggested that I teach a new course that College Board has called AP Computer Science Principles. Um, and I went off to some training on that and I have uh, used the code.org curriculum, which is fantastic and free and available for anybody to use, whether you're teaching that course or not. Yeah, it's web-based. Yeah, right. it's web-based. You don't have to know any code to get started. Um, and what I like about the computer science principles course is that it it assumes you don't know anything to start, um, which I really, in terms of computer coding, I really didn't have a background in at all. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I've been teaching that course uh, for the past, I think this is year four. Um, and that's been fantastic. It's challenging to kids, but it's also very supportive in the way that it's put together in the code.org version of the curriculum. There are other curricula out there for it, um, but I like the problem solving and investigation type um, method that code.org emphasizes in their stuff. Uh, and they use a block-based coding um, format, which if you've used Scratch, if anybody's listening has used Scratch, it's that type hey, of has? format. Yeah, right? Uh, if you haven't used Scratch, oh my gosh, you have to go use Scratch because really? it is amazing. Um, <laughs> it is amazing. But hey, just, between, just between you and me, because yeah. I don't think this is recording anymore, so sure. this is a yeah. conversation, right? I've never used Scratch. I, I oh my I gosh. Know. I don't know what you, that is. I can't wait I, to heard show about you it. Scratch. Let me tell it, you, should I give you a quick primer on Scratch real quick? Uh, sure. Okay. Maybe I should okay. press record now. I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> awesome. I'll figure that great, out. Great. You just go ahead and talk. Okay, I'll just talk. Uh, so Scratch is a is free it's web-based and it's a product out of mit um and what it is it it looks like little digital legos on your screen that literally snap together in order to create a sequence uh an algorithm is the computer science language for it but uh of code 
and it helps you control a little character on the screen. There's a little scratch the cat guy um, walking around the screen and, and can do so, so many things. Um, I know that sometimes secondary ed teachers look at the cartoon cat when they get there and they go, yeah, this, this is not going to be any good. Oh, no, we can't do any of that because right. it's too, it's too beneath It looks us. too childlike, right? And honestly, Our some kids, high school kids. Come on, right, right. come on. I, I just had this conversation like, well, when they get to high school, it's ninth graders, they should be more. They're 14. They're 14. They're kids. There's no sure. difference developmentally between a ninth grader and an eighth grader. Come on. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And and you can put your own sprites. They're called pictures and backdrops Ooh, and whatever characters in there. So, but what's nice about it is it, it these block-based coding mechanisms, they, they show you the sort of background information about programming that would apply to multiple languages. So it doesn't, a lot of people that are worried about computer science are worried about like which coding language do I teach or which one do I learn? C++, and, Python, or whatever. Right, all of that stuff, right? Okay. Uh, and there's so, so many, you know, out there. Um, but these coding, uh, these block code languages, I don't know what to call them languages, tools, they, they kind of give you the overall structures um, that are present in all different languages. So if you want to make the analogy to world languages, which I know you, you've kind of looked at that as a prism. Um, yeah, I have. I have. Uh, 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 we're, uh, we're still having those conversations in my district. Sure, sure. So um, whether you are learning French, Spanish, or English, there are verbs and there are nouns, and there are ways that you conjugate verbs and nouns that may differ uh, between those. those languages, right? So there are parts of speech in every language. There are those types of structures in computer science, in code. So you have like things like an if then, right? So if, yeah, if sure. something is true, then do something else, okay? Um, you have repeating structures, like do these things 10 times or do this as many times as this is true, right? Um, and there are so diff many different structures that kind of pile on top of each other and then miraculously give you like a cool game or a Mad Libs or, or a different program um, that, that you would design. Um, so, what's nice is those block-based coding language um, tools um, set you up for success in text-based coding languages. And there's some research out there to prove this, that if you start there, you at least have the background knowledge you need to figure out the sort of bigger picture of how you might lay out a program. Um, sure. and, and then the, the, the syntax, the which way do I conjugate this verb kind of a discussion you, you need to toy with a bit. But, but if you know, like, oh, this is how this is going to work. Yeah, that's um, where, like, I've ever seen an episode of Silicon Valley uh, where uh, the Tom Middleditch character was, was all, all getting hoity-toity and snobby about the use of tabs. <laughs> yes. And, like, yeah. and, and, that, and that, for those of you who don't watch Silicon Valley, sorry, you're not going to get this reference. But that's <laughs> what you're talking about with the different kinds yeah. of really the language, the, the nuance. People get hung up on that. Right. First off, when they shouldn't be, they should be looking at the overall foundational structure the things that can build into any of those other right. areas or other, other languages. And I'll give you an example because this year I had the opportunity, thankfully um, somebody in my special ed department said, we have a cohort of students they call the Gateway Program um, that are students that are in electives as a cohort and travel together because they require a bit more support than, than some of the students that are taking some mainstream. Sure. And so he said, we've been traveling through different electives together and we haven't come and done a technology one. Are you interested in offering a technology elective? And I said, absolutely, like, let's get them in there. And I've been doing coding with them with Scratch. 
Um, and we've actually just moved, recently moved on to a new tool. But um, And they have built, let's see, uh, we have built games where something randomly bounces around the screen and every time you click it, you get points. And then if you get a certain number of points, you get a win screen. Um, we've got uh, programs that are Mad Libs, uh, which I just mentioned earlier, but yeah. uh, you, know, you plug in a noun or a verb ending in ing and they've got a story and it will ask the user to type in words and it will plug, plug them in. Um, to the story, which they thought was hilarious because, you know, who doesn't like to see Mr. Bailey, you know, in an episode of The Walking Dead, for example. Um, <laughs> apparently, apparently Mr. Bailey doesn't, uh, but <laughs> it's a little frightening. Uh, but uh, we just started, we, um, we just finished a game where um, they control something with the arrow keys. So up, right, okay. left, down, you know, left, right, up, down. Um, and uh, we, we did some things where, uh, uh, what, what's fun to me is that <laughs> I will give them a basic, like here are the basic requirements checklist for success, I call it, for, for what I'm looking for. And then beyond that, you can add. And most of them do. Now these are kids, I, I, I started out with three ed techs in the room with these kids and me, but they, they found, them to not need as much support, I guess. I would like okay. to think it's that and not that, that, that the ed techs uh, didn't enjoy being there. But so it's one ed tech and I now uh, in the room, but, but the kids are being very successful. Uh, they are adding more things to the game. Like I will come up behind a student and, um, and I've been sharing these a lot on, on Twitter. So, so people can check out my Twitter feed if they want. But um, I had a student that we were just doing the ball bouncing around the screen and you're trying to click the ball to get points. Yeah. And, and I said, what, uh, what are all these other things? And he said, well, I, I wanted to make sure that, you, uh, that it was harder. And I said, okay, so what did you do? Well, instead of the ball just bouncing around, I have another ball that's bigger that appears once you get 10 points. So once you get 10 points, this bigger ball appears, and now it bounces around the screen. And if you accidentally click that ball, you lose points. And I said, oh, okay. So that's some higher order thinking coming wow. out of this student, right? I mean, he is, he is synthesizing, you know, he is an avid lover of video games and he is synthesizing like, okay, in most video games, there's a level of challenge. And so how do I create that level of challenge? I'm gonna create another, uh, you know, here are the things that I'm gonna set up. I didn't tell him to do that. Uh, I just went behind him and then he had it figured out, but right? You, you didn't have to tell him because you created right. the environment. You created right. the environment and the space for them to do that. And that's one of the things that, um, you know, it is, it, there, there's so much research behind behaviorism and the things about intrinsic and extrinsic motivators. And, you know, we can't motivate people to do pretty much anything, uh, especially right. for a short-term thing. People argue you can get someone to do for money. Yeah, money's a short-term sure. thing. Sure. That's a tangible thing. That's not our business. Our business is the learning and that's long-term. Right. So you can't extrinsically motivate someone, but you can create the space, the environment for them to do that. And it sounds like that's what you're doing for these learners who are in desperate need and wanting that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I will say too, that I started this year to, to send a tweet from my classroom every day or in my school at least. Um, and I'm featuring often, not with kids' faces, but sometimes with their voices and permission, their projects. Um, and you would not believe how many kids Oh, did, did anybody comment on my, on my game last night, Mr. Bailey? Like you, you know, that oh, they, they, real, they follow up. yeah, they, they want to know, you know, did somebody, did somebody like it? You know, uh, what did somebody say? And, you know, sometimes you'll tag the company that makes it scratch or, or sure. uh, we're using um, Tinkercad right now. Um, and to, to come back to class and say, 
you know, the people who make the software for what you're building with today liked your project yesterday is amazing. Right. And that's, it's way better than the sticker on the, on the paper. (laughs) You know, it's way better than sending the postcard home. It's real. Right. So, so, so also all of our listeners, you're going to go onto Twitter. If you're not, you're not familiar with Twitter, come on. Um, (laughs) And you're going to go onto Twitter. You're going to go to at J Bailey eight. That's where you can find him. Yep. And that's it's the hashtag <laughs> daily edu pick, right? Yes. I, I just like pondered out loud that I don't use Twitter enough uh, in August. And uh, Lori Delaney, who, who I've had some grad classes with, and she's fantastic. She said, um, uh, I said, well, I should probably like, I wonder what happened if I sent a picture or a video or something for my class or my school every day. And, and she said, sounds like a great idea. Do you need a hashtag? How about this one? Like, she's a go-getter. She was like, let's do this. I'm on board. So she also is a daily edgy picker. Uh, and she creates amazing stuff too. But it's great because she kind of keeps me, keeps me reminded. to. Not, she doesn't remind me to do it. But it's kind of like there's starting to build a little community around that. So, so people can certainly use that. Yeah. So go take a look. So, um, Jeff, I've taken so much of your time. Um, And I want to thank you very much for uh, sitting down and and chatting with me uh, today about what you do, about the amazing things happening in your classroom, and about making environments and spaces for the whole child. So, Jeff Bailey, everybody, thank you so much. Thanks.
Thanks again for downloading, listening, and hopefully subscribing to Maine ASCD, the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Maine ASCD. That's Maine spelled out, M-A-I-N-E, then A-S-C-D. You can follow Jeff Bailey, who is an amazing, amazing person, just in general, uh, at J Bailey 8 That's at A, at J B-A-I-L-E-Y 8. Um, you can also follow me. I'm Matt Druettcard at D-R-E-W-E-T-T-E-C-A-R-D. Also, go to our website, mainascd.org, for lots of information about our micro-credentials, upcoming events. We partner with our affiliate uh, friends down in New Hampshire, NHASCD. They have some great events coming up, which members of uh, MainASCD can get discounts to. And if you want to become a member, just go to the membership page and uh, you can sign up. Lots of great benefits, lots of members-only resources that are available, discounts on our micro-credentials, discounts to um, other affiliate events, and it's a great way just to get connected to other educators in the state who are doing things, well, awesome like you are. So uh, it's only $40 to become a member uh, for the whole year. So it's an amazing discount, it's an amazing price, and what you get from it is it can be really great. So thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon.